Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here. I'm delighted that we have a star of Irish stage and screen with us today. Now, you will definitely know Gary Lydon. You might have seen him in television shows like The Clinic. Remember that? You'd have seen him in so many of Martin McDonough's movies and indeed his brother John Michael McDonough's movies as well, Calvary and the Guard. And he's currently in The Hangman at the Gaiety. Gary Lydon, thank you very much for taking the time to join us for the Culture Club. Thanks. Are you something of a muse for the McDonough's? Do they put you into everything? <laughs> yeah, I wish they did. Yeah, no. Uh, yeah, I've, I've been in quite a few of their things. I was originally in um, the the original production of The Cripple of British Man in the National Theatre way back late the late the late nineties, and uh, they lived nearby in Camberwell in South London. So, like, they used to come up, and uh, it was the play was in rep. So we used to, you know, we do a few shows, and we'd have a few days off. So, you know, when we on the last night of Saeed's stint, you know, we used to, you know, being Irish in London, we'd have a few drinks or whether whatever, and the two brothers used to come up and sort of hang out with us. You know what I mean? So I kind of got to know them then, and we used to go to a few clubs in the Soho there playing snooker. I remember quite a bit. So yeah, I got I got to know them then, and I was also in um, Martin's uh, the film that won the the short film. Six Shooter that won the uh, his Oscar for Best Short. I can't remember when that early two thousands. And Bre- Brendan Gleeson was also in that as well. So yeah, I've, I have a long history with him. I was also in uh, the, the Irish production of The Pillar Man, which was done by the same company that are doing The Hangman at the moment. You know, so yeah, no, I kind of you know I'm kind of friends with them as well. And, and I've been in uh, John, the Banshees, obviously, and John, his brother John Michael McDonough. The Guard and Calvary, you know, so hopefully I can continue on, you know. Everyone's been talking about Brendan Gleeson and Colin Farrell, in particular from the Banshees of Inish Aaron, but you got a great role in it as well, didn't you? Yeah, it was. It was yeah, it was, it was a pretty fantastic role, really. Yeah, I think, you know, because the others were, you know, say uh, Colin's character was quite a sort of downtrodden guy and, you know, uh, Brendan's character was quite a, you know, esoteric kind of a wannabe sort of artist, you know. I think my character had to kind of portray a certain explosiveness, you know what I mean? And it was quite a challenge to have to come on, the, you know, because I wasn't in every day, obviously, so, but you had to come in, you know, with a forceful presence, I suppose, you know what I mean? And, like, I had chats with Martin before, you know, by Zoom, before we started about him being, like totally happy and sort of he's like the king of, of the island you know what I mean so he, and I think in some ways he might have cast me because I'd worked with Brendan before and Colin on a film called Ordinary Decent Criminal uh, so I kind of knew them and I'd worked with Brendan so like there wasn't I wasn't kind of phased well that was the theory you know but I wouldn't be phased by working with people of that calibre you know what I mean because he has to kind of the character of Padder has to kind of sort of you know he owns the place you know what I mean he's not you know, he's the king of everything. Do you know what I mean? So yeah, it was it was a great role to get. You know, and I was you know, I had to go obviously uh, audition for it like you would any other role, really. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was great. I was delighted to have got it. And, and Barry Keoghan and Kerry Condon as well. Great yeah, Barry. Yeah, as well. yeah. I hadn't worked with those, but I was a huge fan of uh, Kerry's and Barry. I'd seen a lot, most of Barry's Barry and Kerry's films as well before I started. Just you know, um, huge fans of theirs. You know what I mean? Like. 
you know, just uh, just really proud to have been involved in it, really, you know. Gary, I have to admit, your accent has hardly thrown me, because it's not yeah. what I would have expected from a Wexford man. Yeah, that's true, yeah, well, I, I'm a product of, like, my, like my dad, uh, who's passed away, mum and dad have passed, both passed away now, but they, my dad was originally from Wexford, Wexford Town, and my mum, uh, he was like a product of people having to emigrate to um to 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 away from Ireland in the fifties, you know. So like he would have left Ireland in the fifties. My mum was um the same as me, but I was born in London but of Irish parents. She was the same. Her 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 uh, father was an Irish native speaker from Spiddle, you know. He was actually a twin. He was a twin. Um so he, the, he, like there was, he was born, born at the same time, but he, he, uh, I think because he, he was born second, he didn't get the land, you know. The, the, I've still got loads of relations down in Spitalidens and Spittle, you know. So, so he was the one that had to emigrate from Spittle, you know what I mean? So, and her mother was from Tip, you know. So I'm, I claim to have, you know, 100% Irish blood, but it just happens that I was born in, uh, you know, London. And what age were you when you moved back? I was nine when I moved back, yeah. I moved back to Wexford Town when I was nine, you know. So, um, what was that like coming back as a child with an English accent to Wexford? It was kind of, yeah, it was pretty weird, you know. I remember, we were playing, staying in a place called Modeling Town in Wexford, and it was. I remember being being called. Someone shouted across, oh, "English pigs!" You know, we, we were kind of. We used to go back on holiday, and we, you know, we were kind of a little bit glamorous because we used to wear the tank tops and everything. So we were, <laughs> uh, you know, we had like you know a bit of style about us, I suppose. You know what I mean? I remember walking down to the Capital Cinema there in Wexford, and we were kind of felt like we were kind of different, a little bit jazzy, I suppose. You know what I mean? But yeah, it was kind of it was a huge culture shock leaving. Say like when I when I went to primary school in England, it was very kind of at the time probably progressive uh it was a mixed school you know what i mean and uh and then being sort of landed into like the christian brothers in wexford was a pretty culture shock and i remember uh like i was in third class i went into third class i remember and i remember you know starting to learn irish to learn irish and you know like beg me a doll or i used to write it down beg you know and i remember like one of the sort of slightly well very sadistic Christian brothers used to sort of take their mickey out of me in front of the class, you know what I mean? So it kind of, like, yeah, oh, you're mad, the, the English fella, you know, as, as, as they do, like, you know, so, um, yeah, it was a pretty, pretty, pretty culture shock, you know, yeah, and, um, but, you know, I had great friends there, one of my best friends who I'll mention later, uh, you know, he, he used to, we used to live in the same area, so we used to walk home every day, like for about thirty minutes. So you know, he was very caring and kind of looked after me in a way. You know what I mean? So, yeah, it was a big culture shock, but you know, it's you know, Wexford's a beautiful town, like as well, like you know what I mean. And we get back to Wexford a little bit. I think with some of your choices later, but the accent then, of course, did come in handy in the new McDonough play, which is on in the Gaiety at the moment that you're in, The Hangman, because of The Hangmen. Because I didn't realise till I went to see it last Wednesday night that is very much an English play full of English voices. Yeah. I sort of had come almost to expect everything McDonough does to be rooted in Ireland. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's it's, it's a, yeah, it's a huge. Yeah, well, it's not. It's, it's it is a departure from Martin, I think, because. Um, Apart from the three billboards and the seven psychopaths was set in the states, all his stage stuff is uh, is Irish. Um, yeah, it's set in Oldham, and uh, we had a fantastic coach, Declan Quinn, who's um, 
really he's actually from I think he's from Leicester but he has a very good handle on that accent you know so yeah it was quite a challenge for us I, I, I'd actually done Yorkshire so Yorkshire isn't a million miles away from Lancashire the Lancashire so Lancashire old and so I had a bit of a handle on it. So we, you know, no, we we've all been uh, very diligent in getting the accent because, it, like he does, even though it's you know said in all, it, it, he still has the rhythms, you know. And the, the amazing thing about Martin is that he's, even though it's he, ha, he has the rhythms of the Irish, but he also has like the, the rhythm, rhythms of the uh, the north of England, you know, which is quite amazing, really, you know. Let's get to your culture club choices. We always ask every guest to nominate the first piece of music that they remember getting or buying. And you have a couple of singles for us from sort of the glam rock era of the 70s. Yeah, that's right. Yeah, I'm showing my age here, you know. But yeah, um, when, when I was growing up, I was I used to... Um, I have three brothers and, like, we used to... Uh, I don't know why, I don't know where it comes from, but I used to... Uh, play sort of um, drama games with them when I get when I get up in the morning I used to pretend that like we were in a cafe you know and things like that and I used to create these elaborate kind of uh, direct these elaborate like scenes you know what I mean it was kind of crazy I don't know where, where it came from but and part of that was uh, the, uh, the blockbuster by Sweet which was um, there was I think that was one of the first singles that I bought. But the blockbuster, like we used to, the th- there's the four of us used to have the tennis rackets, and we used to put that on and like that. And they, another one was Hellraiser, but blockbuster was the big one. And I, I used to, I was the, um, I, I wanted to be the drummer, you know. And, and in that single, there's a great, really great, uh, like a drumming solo, you know. So I, I was always uh, adamant that I wanted to be the drummer, you know. I was kind of had to always be, the, you know. the have the starring role kind of thing, you know. You needed two tennis rackets for that. Let's hear a little bit of Blockbuster by the Sweet. Stands up very well. Yes, yeah, I was just thinking about it. There, that it's like the theatricality of it, you know, and the body it builds to a big like crescendo. As I say, and I used to play the drum solo. It, it rises up to this great kind of, you know, purple patch. I suppose, you know, I think maybe that 
something went on in my head about you know the sort of theatricality the drama of it you know I wasn't you know I just liked the the fact that it was you know that drum solo in the middle you know you've got a great 80s trend to the rest of your music and let's start with favourite album because you've gone for Dexys Midnight Runners and for for the Young Soul Rebels yeah, I mean, it's pretty hard. Like, there's quite a few. Well, there's, like, Honourable Mention to Faith by The Cure and Unknown Pleasures by... Uh, Prefab Sprout. Prefab Sprout, yeah. Yeah, I went for this because uh, it was kind of the soundtrack of my youth, you know. Um, like, I, I was... The, the fellow that I mentioned before, John Godkin, who's a famous kind of Wexfordian um, now, he was, like, my best friend. He was, like, a champion uh, boxer, you know. Like, we, we had a kind of... a uh, a, a gang that we were called the uh, the docks, you know. So, <laughs> and this so album, are we all wearing Doc Martin boots. Is that yeah, the we all had Doc Martin boots and the uh, donkey jackets, you know. So, yep. and this album was like the um, the uh, you know the soundtrack of that, and we were kind of very taken with the. It is post-punk, you know, at the very beginning of the album, the way he's listening to the radio and he hears, like, the 70s tracks and the kind of old old kind of, you know, radio stuff. And there is a bit of the sex business as well. And it's like, burn it down. It's the front. He turns it off, you know. So, so it was kind of... We was probably trying to find a kind of a niche to something that was kind of a little bit different, you know. And I was very taken with Kevin Rowland, who's a singer, who's really soulful singing uplifting punk and this kind of post-punk attitude of, of the whole thing and the the use of uh you know the brass the brass ensemble and stuff you know yeah i mean he he was actually from his family were from cross malina which i, I don't know if, so there is a kind of a celtic and also the the later albums a celtic soul rebel and all that there was a, a certain celtic feel to that album as well you know let's hear a little bit of gino Dexys Midnight Runners from the album Searching for the Young Soul and the definite theme continues because you've nominated The Clash as your favourite band. Yeah, going back to like having the three brothers, uh, like we used to buy each other uh, albums at Christmas time and um, I chose the first Clash album because... I kind of what you know what you know just something that was different, say from the Sex Pistols and all that, and you know I was also trying to find my own identity within like having three brothers, you know, 
and yeah, I mean that like the, the that Clash's first album could have been my favourite album as well, you know. But um, I was a huge admirer of Joe Strummer, who has passed away. Um, great front man, you know, and um, and I just I was really taken with how, the, the how political they were and how uh, multicultural they were as well. It's like way before their time, you know, their attitude to race. Um, like White Man and Hammersmith Pally, Magnificent Seven, uh, loved those songs. They were also like anthems of my youth. I used to listen to them like all the time, you know what I mean? Uh, Sandinista, great album. And also like the, the I was a, a huge fan of reggae as well and the way they used a lot of reggae like later on in their stuff as well, you know, um, just fantastic band, you know, Glide. I never saw them live, but, you know, just a great uh band of the eight, seven, late 70s, 80s, you know. Well, it's a cover version of a track, actually, we have I Fought the Law. drums started going a big smile broke out in your face <laughs> yeah just kind of reliving my youth here you know what i mean it's quite quite in the distant past yeah it's such a amazing uh you know songs really you know just so sim- similar to the dexies you know the kind of dexies are more emotional but i think a lot of those you know i think music has been a great inspiration for me as an actor you know i'd always listen to music to kind of fire you up i even do now doing doing the play when i go for walks around the city you know the fontaines dc and stuff you know well you've gone for best gig the smiths at the trinity ball of 1983 yeah now i'm really that's bringing another smile to your face (laughs) yeah well actually this was the first gig i mean i I don't to be honest with you i haven't seen a load of gigs i haven't been to a load of gigs but this kind of sticks out in my mind because it was kind of my brother went was studying uh, uh, science in Trinity at the time, so we went, and it was uh, the Smiths the first time that they played in Ireland, um, supported by the Blades, who were brilliant as well, like great um, support. But I just remember it was in the, apparently it was in the dining hall. Look, I checked this out, but apparently it was in the dining hall. I remember it's like it, it was kind of an old, like a sort of an old fashioned stage, and I remember Morrissey up on the on the uh, stage with the flowers in his pocket, you know. So you know, being from a small town in Wexford, you kind of felt like you were sort of in the mid, you know. Because I used to listen to the Smiths, you know, on John Peel. I was a big fan of theirs. My brothers were as well, you know. So just to, you know, to feel like you're actually seeing the Smiths live was kind of like you felt like you were coming of age or something, you know. And also that night, uh, my best friend, uh, he, he met his future wife at that gig as well, you know. So it's kind of a, 
has a kind of a meaningful thing as well, you know, so these, they have kids together and everything, you know, so... Um, well, we don't have the Smiths from the Trinity Ball, but we do have them live in London from 1986 and Panic. <laughs> the Smiths and Panic. We have Gary Lydon with us for the Culture Club. We have lots of other choices to get through after this short break. The Last Word with Matt Cooper. Today FM. It all happens here. Welcome back to the Culture Club. Gary Lydon is with us. Familiar face. He's in the Banshees of Inishirin, for example, and also The Hangmen, which is on at the gate at present. And I suppose, given that you're an actor, we should ask you what your favourite play is. You've gone for a Tom Murphy play. Yeah, uh, I went for uh, A Whistle in the Dark. Um, my my son, who's he's in college at the moment studying drama, but he's also... Uh, Aspiring to be an actor, he he played Des in the the recent Abbey production of it. So um, I got to sort of you know to help him. I was I got to, I was in the I was in the production of it uh, in the early two thousands for the Tom Murphy season playing Hugo. So I was in the play before, and um, but just reading going back over it with him, just. It, like it's such an incredible piece of work, you know. It's it's like a it's like a perfect piece of music, you know. And um, you know, in relation to probably the punks, you know, like Joe Strummer and stuff. Like Tom Murphy wrote that I think when he was twenty six. I heard recently that he wrote it in like three weeks or something, you know. So it was like a, a splurge of uh, you know work, you know. And I just and in some ways, Tom what was a punk, you know what I mean? Like, and that play is definitely. Uh, the, the character of Harry is is a punk, you know what I mean, and um, it's just and uh, it's just an amazing piece of work, like the characters in it, and just uh, like when I went to see it, like when I saw the production there recently, because I'm a bit older and because I'm a father myself, um, it's it kind of resonated with me about that it's about fatherhood, you know, um, the, the, the performance of Sean McGinley was kind of heartbreaking and astonishing, you know, like. Uh, the, the big, in the start of the second second half of the play where he's uh, you know he's had a few drinks and he's singing and it's just um, I think it's, it, it speaks about fatherhood and the way um, how uh, we don't like lots some lots of men don't know how to be a father you know and I think now I think it does resonate with like young people now that they don't 
the young men are kind of feeling a little bit lost, you know what I mean? No, I'm not saying our poor man, you know, but there is definitely uh, there is definitely a thing in that where, like, like the the character that Sean McGinley plays, the father, he 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 feels that he doesn't realise that all you got to do to be a good father is to love your kids. You know what I mean? To love them, you don't have to kind of put on a big show, kind of thing. You well, know? speaking of young men, your favourite book that you've nominated is *A Catcher in the Rye* by J.D. Salinger. Why have you gone for that? I think as I think the uh, another thing I don't, I don't read enough books to be honest with you, but that 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 was a book that really when I was sort of starting out as an actor as uh, is one book that really had a big effect on me you know I think um, I like to think that I have you know I try to you know go for the truth and things integrity and the character of Holden Caulfield kind of resonated with me as, as someone who uh, you know who doesn't you know, suffer fools gladly and it's kind of, uh, it's against kind of phonyism, you know, and I just think that that was something that really resonated with me, you know, and I think in a way he's in punk as well, you know. There's a definitely a theme running through all this, Gary. <laughs> Let's go to movies. You've given us two movies and the first one, Wings of Desire, the Vim Fenders movie. Why have you picked that? Uh, as well, I, I, I just, I kind of just went for things that kind of, had an effect on me at the time when I saw it, you know, like I just, I, I was living in London at the time and I remember, you know, it was quite impersonal place, you know, and, and the scenes of, of the, uh, the angels on the, on the tube when they're on the subways, when they're listening to the people, you know, the thoughts are going through their head and they're listening to them and trying to solve their problems for them. It was a very, uh, had a kind of pretty profound effect on me, I think. Um, also Bruno Gans I, I did a film I was in a I had a small part of a film called Strapless with Bruno Gans and I think he's one of my favourite actors you know he, he went on to play Hitler in Downfall you know uh, it's just a, a great evocation of uh, of Berlin you know just before the wall came down as well you know and uh, Paris, Texas is another uh, film that I love as well you know it's by the Vin Vanders as well you know and then also the use of music in it, and that it's kind of a strange, you know, um, uh, the, the music of Nick Cave is in it as well, and it's kind of a beautiful kind of strangeness, you know, and the way he, and I suppose it's about the yearning as well of the, the, the of the the angel wanting to kind of come down to earth, you know. Yeah. You also nominated Raging Bull with Joe Pesci and Robert De Niro. Yeah, well, obviously, like, you know, Pesci and De Niro would, would be huge influences on me as an actor, you know, and, um, like, Raging Bull is, like, it's it's a very male film, I suppose. But, um, yeah, it's, it's a great... Why don't we hear a clip of it and then we talk about it? Sure, yeah. You have these small hands. I got them girls' hands. I got them too. What's the difference? What that means... No matter how big I get, no matter who I fight, no matter what I do, I ain't never gonna fight Joe Lewis. Yeah, that's right. He's a heavyweight, you're a middleweight. We know that. I ain't never gonna get a chance to fight the best there is. And you know something? I'm better than him. I ain't never gonna get a chance. You're asking me what's wrong. But you're crazy to even think about something like that. I mean, he's a fucking heavyweight, you're a middleweight. It's impossible. It'll never happen. So, why go crazy thinking about it? It's not normal. Do me a favor. Why? Why should you hit me in the face? What? 
I want you to meet her face. Forget about it. No, I want you to meet her face. Go ahead. Go ahead. Take it back. I said forget about it. I ain't doing it. What do you like so much about that? I think just the uh, the naturalism of uh, you know the, the the acting in it, you know, and um, it is quite a, like when you're thinking back on it, it's quite a you know because it's about self destruction, you know, and you know hopefully it does, you know it doesn't impinge on you, you know. But I just think the the acting of those those two, you know, um, it's just incredible. Like as an actor growing up, you know what I mean. When you're growing up, it's a huge influence, you know. Let's go to television. We're running short in time, Gary. And yeah. as a teenager, you loved the Not the Nine O'Clock News, which produced lots of actors who've gone on to great things in the future. Yeah, that's right. Uh, yeah, I mean, it, I, I like to be honest with you, I watched a lot of TV because we lived in Wexford and we used to get the signal from Wales. So, like, that was just one of many. Uh, yeah, I mean, I was a huge fan of, like, comedy, you uh, know, uh, Not the Nine O'Clock News, um quite a few other uh, comedy things. Uh, the, the, the Tube was another one that I would have liked. Yeah, I, I just loved, like, Mel Smith, Chris Rhys-Jones, Pamela Anderson, Ronan Atkinson. That, 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 that was where they first cut their teeth, you know, and it was just hilarious, like, you know, some of the, the sketches in those. How about um, modern-day stuff? Uh, I kind of... Peaky Blinders, like for the great acting of Killian Murphy um, and others, uh, Fargo. I really like Fargo because uh, it's kind of it's just kind of strange, strangeness of small town life. You know, it's, um, it was terrific, Fargo. Listen, we need to finish, and there's one thing I want to ask you, and I think it's given the Wexford theme. We asked you for a buried treasure, and you didn't get a chance to talk about him in favourite plays earlier. But Billy Roach is somebody you want to mention. Yeah, yeah, I have a long history with of Billy Roach, of working with Billy Roach, uh, going back from when I first started, and the the cultural treasure that I've gone through is uh, Tales from Rainwater Pond. It's a collection of twelve short stories uh, written by Billy. I think it was two thousand and six. Uh, I, I, don't, I, don't, I don't. I feel that they they haven't really had the recognition that they deserve. You know, they're that they're like twelve stories centered around uh, a part of the Rainwater Pond, which is a pond in Wexford, close to where. It's a place called Modeling Town, where my dad and my grandfather were from originally in Wexford, and um, the, the, I was aware of this pond when I was growing up, and it was kind of it was legendary because apparently it was bottomless, you know. So it was it stopped the railway tracks just out of the town, you know. So it was just something that I kind of could relate to, you know, being from that area. And I was also in a one man show based on one of the stories. One of one is not a number. Uh, a fellow called Maddie who had like a he was. He had a club foot, and he was. Uh, it's based on the story of Hephaestus, who is the god of uh, masonry, and uh, it's like a fantastic show. Which hopefully I might try and get back together again sometimes. You know what I mean? So, unfortunately, we're out of time. Listen, that has been some terrific. Uh, memories, particularly from the 1980s. Uh, but Gary Lydon is somebody who you can see at present in the gaiety in Hangmen, which is the new play by Martin McDonough. And of course, you can see him in the Banshees of Inishiran and many other things as well. Gary, thank you very much for being with us. The last word with Matt Cooper. Today FM, it all happens here.